um, where we march towards the cross of Christ. Um, I'm going to show uh, a few different pictures um, through the through the series, um, but I use the word pictures not just visually, um, but also uh, the pictures that we get in literature in in the New Testament. So this is going to be a series that is. Um, theological in its arrangement so sometimes we have um, we like walk through a book of the Bible or uh, over the epiphany season we walk through Genesis 1 to 3 we're going to really like journey across the whole um, of the scriptures uh, and trace theological themes um, or or motifs or images um, which sum up uh, what happens on the cross so strap in and get your Bible apps or paper Bibles if you're um, an, an old school Bible nerd but I don't think many of us are I think we're device people so we're going to travel through um, a few different um, spots and um, the, the readings that Elaine just read were um, Isaiah 53 and 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and, and they're going to frame up uh, a lot of what we talk about today I start with this picture. This picture is a, a painting um, done by Rembrandt. And the reason this picture is there is because I have an arrangement um, with my wife, Jess, who uh, sometimes helps me um, do like an appropriateness filter. I don't know if you've ever needed an appropriateness filter. Um, some of you probably are in need of an appropriateness filter. Um, but sometimes I, I bounce off her, is this appropriate? And so I wanted to start with a picture um, of the church building but you know how there's like a cross out the front I wanted to superimpose over the cross an electric chair because I was like the sentimentality of the cross is n- doesn't capture this, this sort of the grotesque nature and she was like I don't know I think that's too scandalous and I'm like that's the point it's, it's meant to scandalise the cross is, is a scandal um, but in the end you know I think six years into marriage now first three years she suggested something was inappropriate I don't think I listened but I've, I've learnt I've learnt to listen and um, we're going to go with some, some paintings of the cross but I do want you to think about just to have at least the image in your mind the scandalous nature of, of what it would mean to have a, a torture tool an execution device on the front of our church or, or up here or up here a little one you can have like a little toy one that moves around um We've got lots of crosses um, all over. You know, I, I met someone the other day in the sauna and he was wearing a cross. And I was like, oh, we're going to have something to talk to him about. I couldn't quite navigate the conversation in the right direction. But um, that's okay. The scandal of the cross is um, sometimes lost on us uh, as, as people who talk about the cross and sing about the cross and wear the cross's jewellery. Um, but the cross is a, a really... Um, brutal execution device which the Romans uh, used at the time and I want to say something controversial here Christ's physical suffering is not necessarily the worst suffering of all time you often hear people go like you know Jesus you suffered something that none of us could imagine the fact that he died on the cross or a cross is not the worst thing that's ever happened to a human like, a lot of other people died on a cross. Um, a lot of other people um, have, have died in, in really awful, brutal, um, disgusting ways. The, the fact of Jesus' death that is so 
horrendous is the context of who he is and how he died. That he was... Um, turn with me even to uh, Philippians 2. Turn with me to Philippians 2. It says in, in Philippians 2 that he was... Uh, He was God. He was with God. If you um, want to look to verse uh, 6, we get this famous Christ hymn. Um, so we haven't sung the song in a while. Like, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. But that's, this is the, that's the song. Um, Christ was in very nature God. And, and, and God made himself nothing took the very nature of a servant on and then humbled himself but became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The context of who Jesus is and how he died is just horrendous. When you think of what's the worst way you could die, and I don't want to put too like gruesome images into your head, but you know whether it's like um, based on the people you love or the self-identity you have, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that, you know, if this is really important to you, such as for me, it's like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what's important to me. Coffee. If you drowned me in coffee and coffee had the last laugh, that would be like, that's awful. You can't do that. Like, that's meant to be like, oh, it's like coffee was meant to be a gift. Now it's a, a, a curse. And, you know, that would just be. This is worse than that. This is like God, the one who's meant to be glorified, the creator of everything, the one who's worthy of all honor and glory and splendor and praise, becomes an absolute joke. They spit on him. They, They curse him. They mock him. They laugh at him. They, they hang him up there outside the city. Because it's it's too it's too much to have inside the city. Can you imagine that if this was Melbourne? It's like let's not do our crucifixions in Melbourne. Let's do them in, in Bacchus Marsh, just because it's like you know Bacchus Marsh might be considered metro now. I don't know. I have to go further. Let's do it in Ballarat, you know, because it's a bit stinky and, and gross. He was he was crucified outside the city because it was too shameful. He was crucified uh, a death which was meant to say, "Don't muck around with Rome." If you do, you're going to get the cross. And it was just this like ultimate humiliation. Um, the God of, of all creation, the God of glory, was killed as a rebel. He was spat on. He was, he was meant to be a Messiah, but died um, as if he was a, a religious rebel and a messianic fraud. But somehow through the power of God, he was raised from the dead and, and found not to be a fraud not to be uh, a failed Messiah, not to be um, some, a religious rebel whose who's sort of um, movement had, had died out. It, he was God. This was God, and he was killed like this. He was crucified. He was shamed, and yet he was raised again. What's interesting, though, is when he was raised again, um, he still had the wounds. If you read in the story, he still had wounds. 
And his resurrection didn't erase his death. Sorry, it didn't erase the crucifixion. It only got rid of death, turned from death to life. But he still remains now the crucified saviour, like the crucified king, the crucified Lord who is now raised but carries the cross in his body, in his story. And so we as people of of the way of Jesus, we are people of the resurrection and people of the cross simultaneously. The resurrection doesn't erase the cross. It somehow vindicates the cross. Somehow establishes the cross not just as another person hung up on a tree, but as this cosmically significant moment. Something happened at the cross because the earth turned dark and, 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 and when he said it is finished the curtain of the temple tore him too and then he's, he's, he rose from the dead something happened at the cross and what I want to discuss in pictures of the cross is what happened what happened at the cross why did Jesus die Why did Jesus die? I think the answer that we often say is somehow he died for us. He died for us. And and you see this language through the scriptures. Christ died for us. And, And the pictures that the Bible paints help us understand what does it mean that he died for us. Because for us means it's like a gift, right? There's some kind of gift going on. There's some kind of grace happening. And sometimes um, the the way that we can answer this question can be um, reduced to data and reduced to principles and theories. And you might have heard this language, theories of the atonement. So there's different theories of of, of how... um, Christ died for us and what happened and what the cross achieved. And I want to move away from the language of theories and, and move towards pictures because I think there's all, this, all these motifs and metaphors going on. Now, now, Christ's death was an event. It happened. God came to earth and died for us. That's an event. It's historically happened. But then there's all this language of what exactly was going on at a cosmic level, at a personal level, because somehow Jesus saved us up on that cross. Somehow there was this divine purpose to what was going on. Somehow he died for our sins. He died in our place. He died to become king. He died as an act of love. He died to redeem the world. He he died as a blood sacrifice and he died to defeat evil. So, So I want to address that somehow. Somehow Christ died for us. That somehow is lyrical and poetic and and these pictures create a symphony that I just pray will will resound in our hearts as we consider how Christ died as, you know, a um a lamb that was slain. Christ died as the one who defeated Satan. Christ died as a ransom who was pay- that was paid. Christ died uh, in our place. Christ died as like a judge who was being judged. Christ died as someone who was taking away a penalty. Um, Christ died 
as, as one who, who was solving the problem of, of death and sin, Christ died as a great act of rescue and redemption. This, this gallery of images. Anyone been to an art gallery before? They're pretty cool. I didn't used to think so. Sometimes my mum hears that I like art galleries now and goes, oh, I had to endure so many years of trying to get you to art galleries and you complaining and being like, let's go home and watch the footy. And now you like them. I'm like, yep, there you go. Thanks, mum. Um, but I, I, I love an art gallery now. And I, and I leave an art gallery and I go, you know, what was my favourite picture? And we talk about what my favourite picture was and um, I can think of a few... But I always go away going, you know what was my favourite thing? It was the, it was the experience of, of the gallery as a whole. Sure, this picture or that picture is nice. Might, you know, get a postcard one day, make a t-shirt. Haven't got around to that yet, but one day I'm going to make a, a t-shirt of an artwork. But the experience of, of all the pictures and all the art together just creates an experience. And, and I pray that this series... There'd be like a symphony of pictures, and I'm mixing metaphors here, but a, a symphony of, of the pictures of what happens at the cross that would resound in our heart and we would like really hold on to this truth that Christ died for us in a way that, that maybe we haven't before because it's really profound. So we've got six Sundays between now and Easter. Two of those will be Missions Month, so four um, Sundays uh, that I'll preach on the cross, and we're going to do Bible studies midweek on um, this so like all your questions from the sermon and then we'll like really get into the, the Bible passages got a, got a bunch of Bible passages that I'm going to sort of bring in each week we're going to study um, what was really going on ask our questions study the Bible discuss what does it mean um, so I'm looking forward to, to sort of pairing the sermons and the Bible study but uh, I just want to pray for our series and then um, touch on on the first picture Jesus, you died for us. And there are so many ways that the Bible explains and portrays what happened. That, that, that ultimate truth of, of you died for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. And so we thank you. We thank you for this, this great act of love and all that it means. And I pray that as we um, dwell in your scriptures and in these pictures, that um, you might bring transformation, you might bring assurance, and that we might um, be compelled to adore you, Jesus. Renew us and reveal to us your, your love and your forgiveness and your healing victory. And we just... Um, we come to you with like hearts that are open. And the, the cross and the season of Lent for us as Christians is about repentance. And so we, we turn to you and let you do the work. And we just repent of our sins, God. And we pray that you would work in us through the power of the cross. Amen. So the first um, picture is the picture of substitution. And... Um, Substitution is uh, sometimes talked about in theological circles. I don't know. Sometimes I go like, should I bring up the thing I don't necessarily want to um, latch on to if maybe 
it's not that important to you, but some of you, you might have heard it a lot. And so I do want to bring it up. So PSA, if you've heard of this phrase, um, penal substitutionary atonement, PSA. Uh, what I want to do with PSA is, um, I think PSA has a lot of value in our theological sort of um, vision of the cross. Uh, but I think there's, there's more going on than simply a, a substitute taking the penalty. I think I actually want to spend one week on substitution and one week on um, the sacrifice of Christ. So um, almost like I think there's a lot to substitution and a lot to Christ playing the penalty and, and the ransom being paid and the sacrifice required. And um, like I was saying before, I don't think one theory can just like sort of tick off our understanding of the cross. So uh, substitution is, is the language I want to use to... Um, view the pictures of what it means for Christ to take our place. Sometimes it's called the, um, the wondrous exchange. This is the Hunger Games. Did anyone ever see the Hunger Games? Taylor Swift at the end. Don't close your eyes. She was very sweet back then. She's young. Her voice has become a bit more mature. I, I, I won't go on. But um, anyway, Taylor Swift has the, the songs in the credit. And I remember watching this at the cinemas and it was pretty scary. Um, but this... Uh, beautiful sort of moment near the start that um, Katniss Everdeen uh, hears that her sister is being um, selected to go in the Hunger Games for District 12 and she screams I was going to put it um, up on the, the screen but it was like the, the shrill of um, was, was so loud she goes no I volunteer I volunteer and she steps in as a substitute and goes, you will not go into the Hunger Games, my little sister. I will go into the Hunger Games. I will take your place. And, you know, for Jennifer Lawrence, that was a great idea because she became really famous and successful, right? So, like, you know, good call because when you step in as the substitute, sure, you risk your life as the Hunger Games, but you could become a, a superstar. Never heard of the actress who played the little sister again. So, like, you know, when you substitute, you, you receive both the... Um, you step into someone else's place and you receive whatever was coming for them. Right? You receive whatever was coming for them. And so, you know, you might um, have ever had a substitute teacher at school. Anyone had a substitute teacher? Now, that teacher could be really in for a terrible time. Or they could be in for a good time. They, they take on what the original teacher was going to experience that day. And often it gets, you know, ramped up even, even higher. But if it's a beautiful class who's really good at jokes and having lots of fun, they're going to have a good time. If it's an aggressive, angry class, they're going to have a difficult time. A substitute takes the place. In sport, it's really awkward because sometimes if like, someone takes your place the new person gets to like win the medal if the team wins the grand final and the person whose place got taken doesn't. But if they lose and play really bad, everyone like yells at them and boos them. So you understand the idea of a substitute. It's an exchange and there's um, through the Bible a lot of exchanges which help us understand what's happening at the cross. Now sin, um, we looked at last week, sin uh, we sort of boiled down. It fractures the harmony between humans and God, humans and humans, and humans and creation. And when it does that, um, humans and God are separated. There's a, um, an alienation, a, a great divorce between humans and God, and we no longer walk in harmony together. 
uh, there's a separation. When humans and humans are divided, there's division, there's um, distrust, there's blame, as we saw um, in the Adam and Eve story. Uh, there's all sorts of, of difficult things, betrayal and, and, um, and relational discord. And at some level, the one that we're possibly in this world most attuned to is that there's actually a, har- a disharmony or a fracture between humans and creation. That when Adam and Eve were walking in the harmony of, of Eden, that they were almost like had this unity with the land this unity with the animals. It was like the, you know, the unity that I have with Matisse. That's not common, you know? Most animals, will they'll bite your hand off, right? I was, I was scared for, of dogs for many years because I know they'll bite your hand off, but not, not me and Matisse. We form a, a bond that almost makes me think of Eden. Um, in that, like, honestly, the humans and the animals, the humans and the land, there were no earthquakes. There were no... Um, disruptive volcanoes there were no floods before the fall there was no death before the fall when that, when there was a fracture between humans and creation death entered the world so sin you know caused a lot of a lot of problems and sin is both an an, an offense something that we can be guilty of and it's also a, a poison or a condition that we live under so when we think of the cross, we think of uh, Christ died for the sins of the world to relieve us from our guilt, to forgive us, to atone for our guilt, and also to actually erase and heal the sickness that is sin. Because we all know the sins that we do when we like do something naughty and then we feel guilty, Right? You know, I lied, I lied to my mum. You know, she said, did you use all the petrol in the car? And I was like, no, but I did. Or whatever it is, you know. Um, but there's also the sins of like, just this world is, is full of, of difficulty and, and disaster and um, sin is not just something we do. It's also something that affects us from outside. Um, so the cross is going to address sin at both of these levels in that it's going to, um, repair the fractures it's going to repair the fractures but it's also going to deliver us from the power of sin the, the, the cross both brings atonement and deliverance repair and healing now I just want to talk a little bit about the difference between atonement and forgiveness um, because Forgiveness is almost like a, the character of God. When Turn with me to, I think it's Exodus 34, isn't it? Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verse 5, says, this is Old Testament, God's revealing himself to Moses. It says, The Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with him, proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Right? That's the character of God. Like, 
God was already a forgiving God before the cross. Forgiveness is, is in some ways who God is. It's in his character. Atonement is, is making things right. Is when you atone for sin, you make things right. I've been using the dictionary lately to like try and just help me like understand words. Because sometimes you go, I know what that means. But... So let's look up atonement in, in just the dictionary. What dictionary app do you guys use? Anyone? Do you use dictionary apps or just Google? Google's pretty good for the dictionary. All right, let's use Google. Let's all use Google. Type in atonement. Oh, YouTube's Taylor Swift safe and sound. I was got getting in the mood. Atonement meaning. Does your guys say the action of making amends for a wrong or injury? Is that what you're getting? Sarah's like, I'm, I'm trying to stay off my phone. Like, I don't, want to, I don't want to go on the screen. Good on you. Atonement is making amends. It's actually fixing the problem. Forgiveness is something you can do um, from your heart without the problem actually getting resolved. So anyone like a budding thief or pickpocket? Anyone have any skills in this area? Good on you for not admitting it. Imagine a... Th- a th- Let's just put a person here. Let's call him Ronald. Um, there's someone called Ronald here. And he's, he notices, as he goes to the toilet, he notices that my office is open. And he goes, Lockie's preaching. Lockie, you know, uh, is doing a bit of guitar, trying to, um, you know, play Daniel's guitar. I'm going to go into the office, steal 50 bucks. No one will notice. All right? And then I'm driving home. And I'm like, you know what I feel like? I feel like some KFC. Um, I go to my wallet 50 bucks is gone I'm like what happened I text the group chat hey did anyone see what happened to my 50 bucks Ronald in caps lock no no one saw anyway I find out that Ronald stole it right I could forgive this character this imaginary character who stole 50 bucks I could say hey it's okay sounds like you you know had a deep need uh, for 50 bucks and yeah. I'll overlook it right? that would be forgiveness now atonement would be making it right now say you've got another um, person called Daniel it's over here Daniel hears about this and he goes you know I'm going to make this right Ronald I got your back man I'm going to give Lockie the 50 bucks back and it's all sorted right That would be like atonement at some level. But it would still be awkward between me and Ronald because I know he didn't like, you know, it would be like, thanks for fixing the problem, Daniel, but I still feel this tension because my friend stole money from me, my imaginary friend. Um, Sorry, Ronald, if you're listening to the sermon on your flight home. Um, Now, if Ronald came back to me and said, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that and giving you the 50 bucks back. Now, that would be atonement. That would make amends. Or even if you said, that was really awful. I'm giving you 50 bucks back and, you know, for your troubles, I'm going um, to give you a... I don't, don't want to make like a suggestion. I don't want to be like, uh, 
coffee beans because I don't want him to listen to the podcast and then feel like he should get me coffee beans because he doesn't have to. But, you know, he gives me a little gift to say, for your troubles. He really goes the extra mile. I say, I'm really sorry. Now, that would be nice, right? What would be crazy is if I went to the bank, took out another 50 bucks, gave the 50 bucks to Ronald so that he had that money, and then said, your sins are forgiven. And then he gave me that 50 bucks back. Like I had basically paid him. He's stolen 50, then I give him another 50, say it's all good, he gives me another 50, he gives me 50 back. Then you'd be like, everything is totally sorted. But I've actually created atonement in the situation. That is what Jesus does on the cross. He's not only a forgiver, which he can, God is big enough to do that anyway. He says, there needs to be some kind of, um, we need to make amends for the situation, but you're not able to make amends with me, so I'm going to come and actually make amends myself so that the situation is totally healed, atonement's been paid, and forgiveness has been done. So atonement and forgiveness go together to create union with God. Now sometimes you'll hear, what's atonement? at one If you grew up in church, you might have heard this one, at one I don't think that's that helpful because to be at one with Christ is actually the result of atonement. So atonement is when Christ makes amends for the problem of sin. When he... he he deals with the problem. The fruit of atonement and the fruit of forgiveness is that we can be at one with God. And I'm going to get to that through the series a bit because I think union with God is at some level the, the ultimate healing of, of the problem of sin and our, our ultimate destiny. So what I want to do is just consider um, six areas. How are we going for time? Six areas where... Christ substitutes himself and what's going to be really cool is we then get to swap with him. Like It's an exchange. It's not just that he takes our place, he gives us his place. So turn to Isaiah 53 um, 4 and 6 4 to 6 Do a few back bits Isaiah 53, 4 to 6. It says, Surely, and this is um, a prophecy from Isaiah about this coming servant who's going to suffer on behalf of, of the people. And it's a messianic figure, like a king. And so it's prophesying what is going to happen, but in the tense as if it's already happened. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. to bear someone's suffering is to like take it on your own shoulders. Yet, we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. So he takes up our suffering and our pain and yet as we look at him, we think of him as punished by God. But what was going on is he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. 
the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Did anyone ever hear Colin Buchanan? Remember that? We all like sheep have gone astray. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba. Each of us have turned to his own way. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Singing, ba, ba, do, ba, ba. Isaiah 53, 6. Annie, hopefully your um, YouTube shorts people can remix that. And because it's a good one. Um, that was one of my favorite Colin Buchanan's growing up. I didn't plan to do the whole song, but you know, once I start, I can't stop. So um, that's the verse. Like, he was crushed for inequities. He was pierced for our transgressions. The, our iniquity, our, um, that we've turned astray, our sin was laid on him. And, and by his wounds we are healed. Christ takes our injury our sin, our penalty, our transgressions. He takes everything that makes us fractured, that makes us broken, that makes us distant from God, that makes us unwhole and unhealed. He takes it on Him. And the New Testament says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So somehow in him, not only did God make him who had no sin be like us who have sin, or to be sin for us, then we get to be in him and become the righteousness of God. There's a swap, there's an exchange. He takes our place so we can take his. It's the, it's the swap that happens throughout the scriptures, right? Um, remember in Genesis, Abraham, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. He's like, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient. Even though I really wanted this son, this is really important to me, I'm going to be obedient. He takes his son up to sacrifice him. And then at the last minute, God provides uh, a sheep as a swap. And he says, no, no, that's the sacrifice instead. Or in the crucifixion story when there's actually someone who's meant to be killed named Barabbas he's a criminal and like he's a criminal he's meant to be crucified and and everyone goes no 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 do a swap do a swap and in the story there's actually an exchange so that Barabbas goes free and Jesus dies in his place or the hunger games the little sister Primrose Everdeen's her name goes free and Katniss Everdeen takes her place and, and goes to fight in the hunger games. So this substitution takes place upon the cross. And what he swaps with us is so much of the human condition. See that, that slide I had up before that says humans die God never dies it's not something God does but when he swaps with us he chooses to take on our condition and, and die look at Romans 6.23 with me Romans 6.23 and 
I'll have a bunch of these verses in the Bible study on Wednesday. So if it's a lot to keep track of, um, I'll have like a handout on Wednesday. But it says the wages of sin is death. So all who have fallen short, all who have sinned, end up dying. Christ takes on our death. He takes on our, our judgment. Some of the scriptures that we were reading before, um, you know, it said in Isaiah, we're meant to, um, we've got transgressions, iniquities. And if you read the Old Testament, God's often speaking about how he's going to judge the wickedness, how he's going to judge the disobedience of his, of his people. God's just, after all. And so, so Christ not only takes on our death, he takes on our judgment. He also takes on, on the penalty that um, separation from God means. So um, one of the penalties of sin is that we can't be with God. Jesus takes that on. This alienation, this fractured relationship with God. He takes on the penalty. He takes on the judgment. He takes on death. He takes on unrighteousness. That we were not righteous. He was perfectly holy. He's living this wonderful, holy existence. He takes on our unrighteousness and becomes unclean. Turn with me to uh, Matthew 8. Start of Matthew 8. And we're going to run through Matthew 8 really briefly. Um, It starts with Jesus um, healing some lepers. And if you know anything about leprosy, these people were sent so far away because they were going to really contaminate you and they were like just sent away to die. You did not want to touch a leper. It was like in those first few weeks of COVID, remember? Where it was like, if Amazon sent me a package, I'm going like, to burn the package before I open it and then there'll be no package anymore because you know, what if it was like, we learned a few more things since then, but like leprosy was like that. You just didn't want to get anywhere near it. But Jesus, a man with leprosy, verse 2, came and said, if you're willing, make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Jesus touched a leper and said, I'm willing, be clean. If you scroll down um, past the faith of the centurion to Jesus heals many, we then see Jesus come into Peter's house and he sees Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever and he touched her and the fever left her. And then he he went on to heal many people who were demon-possessed and who were sick. And then it says, verse 17, Matthew 8, this is actually like what the prophet Isaiah said. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So, so the gospel quotes our Isaiah reading and say there's, a, there's an exchange happening here. There's a substitution. He's touching us, the one who is clean, and taking away our, our sickness. And in the Old Testament, that meant our unrighteousness. When he touches the leper, the leper becomes clean. He transfers his holiness, his righteousness. He gives it to them. They become clean. He takes it away for himself. So Jesus takes our our death. He takes our judgment. He takes our penalty, penalty. He takes our unrighteousness. He takes our humanity on, which we read about in Philippians 2, and he takes our status on, that he steps down and becomes a humble human and, and even becomes someone who was killed on the cross, the most shameful position that anyone could be. 
Christ takes on our death, our, our punishment, our penalty, our unrighteousness, our humanity, and our status. And He doesn't just take our place, He then gives us His place. So at the cross and then through the resurrection, we get in on His life. He takes our death and gives us His life. He takes our judgment and gives us His judgment which is perfect. He takes our penalty and gives us His reward. He takes our unrighteousness and gives us His righteousness. He takes our humanity and at some level, He gives us His divinity. And not that we become God, that we become, as, as 1 John 3 says, we become like God. Or Ephesians 4, if you want to... No, we won't turn any more places, but we'll go to a few texts in the Bible study to because that's an interesting one, how he takes on our humanity and somehow gives us almost his divinity and he takes on our status and he gives us his status. Elaine has started um, posting the sermons again, so thanks for doing that. Uh, I hadn't posted any sermons for like three years and the last one that was posted before COVID hit was um, we were in a series on Ephesians, Ephesians 2, and the sermon was called Saved and Seated. Because Ephesians 2 says, we are now saved and seated with Christ. And so whenever I'd go to check the sermons, it would still be like, March 2020, saved and seated. I was like, I should get back to uploading the sermons, but I never did. But Elaine's on it, so thanks for that. Um, But saved and seated, Ephesians 2, he takes on our um, status and actually says, no, no, you can be seated at the right hand of God with me. So this beautiful exchange happens where we get what's his and he takes what's ours. And to finish, I want to say three words, imparted, imputed, incorporated. Kind of big words, imparted, imputed, incorporated. Imparted is the idea that that Christ's righteousness gets put in you like a gift that gets put in you and some people will say Christ's righteousness is imparted and I think that's true but it's not the whole story another way of saying it is Christ's righteousness is imputed and that means it's spoken over you and declared like a um, in a court like I declare that you are righteous and you can show the certificate. And I think that's true, but that's not the whole story. I think the whole story is that we're actually incorporated into Christ. And so in this exchange, when He takes our place, we get to get on in on His place. And we get to live with Him and make our home in Him. And so the reason that we have His righteousness imparted and imputed, we have His status, we have His humanity... Um, his divinity, we have his life instead of our death, is because we're with him. We go where he goes. We get in on what's his. We get the blessings that are his. We get the power that's his. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his presence. It's like, did anyone get to go to Harry Styles last night? Neither. I heard Harry Styles was in town and the lines were going to be really long. I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Like, during COVID, everyone was like, we're coming for a big concert in 2023. 
And now that all those concerts are here, like Ed Sheeran's at the MCG next week, it's like all these big concerts. If you got to go into like a corporate box to see Harry Styles because you had a friend who was like, um, you know, I don't know, the CEO of Sprite or something, you would say, I'm with them. And when like you try and go through security and you're dancing to like As It Was or he does like a, a hipster remix of What Makes You Beautiful, which I've listened to too many times, um, you're dancing and then you, like, you realize like, I'm with him. I'm with him. You'd always say, if you're ever like in a VIP kind of section um, because you're with someone, you, you basically say, I'm the guest and I'm with him or I'm with her and I am getting whatever she's getting. I can get go wherever she can go. I can go wherever he can go. We're with him. We're incorporated into him and in this substitution in this beautiful exchange that happens on the cross, he takes our place and he brings us into his place. And so we rest with him and dwell with him and are seated with him and get to experience the blessing and the healing and the, the unity with God. Because when God's grace redeems, when his forgiveness, the atonement, his his, he repairs the whole situation on the cross. Then this fractured relationship with humans and God can actually become union with God. And this fractured relationship between humans and humans can actually become love. And this fractured relationship between humans and creation can actually, um, we can receive life and life everlasting. And so I just want to be thankful for what, what God does on the cross to bring us to him. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to explore this um, in maybe a bit more detail um, and with all your questions on Wednesday. But for now, let's just stand up and pray. As we um, view this first picture, God, this picture of substitution, that you step into our place, that you take the place of sinners, that you take the place of humans, that you take the place of the unrighteous you take the place of the slave that you take the place of those who are under um, the curse of death and you give us your place you give us your life you give us your judgment and your righteousness and your everlasting life and your